congratulations. That's the last time you'll ever have to hear that video play. So if you really loved it, well, I'm sorry. We can email it to you, but otherwise we're done. Hey, this is the last stop in our uh, journey through this series we're calling City on a Hill. We've talked about some wonderful things uh, that we'll be reminded about here in a little bit. But today we're talking about being hilariously generous. And I'm sure you're going to want to know why, how we came to the conclusion that we're going to call it hilarious generosity, which we will talk about. Um, but before we begin, I'm going to pray. You guys are going to join me in that. And then uh, we're going to read 2 Corinthians 9, the whole chapter. You know what's crazy? We're going to do the whole chapter. And we're also going to do a big chunk of 8 and a whole bunch of other stuff. Hey, surprise, guys. We're going to use our Bibles today. It's going to be dope. All right. So let me pray. God, thank you so much for your word. It's a kindness to us. And it is incredibly generous that you would give us something more than sunrises and sunsets and oceans and mountains and elk and all these things that declare your handiwork, but you gave us your word, and your word you keep. Your word is truth. And we Christians, we struggle to be obedient to it, we struggle to listen to it, to not see it as just legal code, but as a loving message from you. So I pray that this morning, in spite of all of our fleshly, mixed up baggage that we bring to these things, I pray your spirit would help us to see that you are hilariously, generously in love with us, and that this word right here would motivate us to be just like you, Jesus, a giving type of man and woman. I pray that in Christ's name. Amen. All right, we're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, okay? You guys spent all of like last year in 1 Corinthians. I'm taking you back to 2. All right, 1 Corinthians is kind of, uh, is the uh, kind of broken, messed up church, 2 Corinthians is the repentant church. They kinda, they're different now. They learned their lesson, maybe a little bit. And so we're going to see this. It's chapter 9, okay, starting at verse 1. And uh, it says this. Now, it is superfluous for me to write to you about the ministry for the saints. For I know your readiness of which I boast about you to the people of Macedonia, saying that Achaia has been ready since last year. And your zeal has stirred up most of them. But I'm sending the brothers so that our boasting about you may not prove empty in this matter, so that you may be ready, as I said you would be. Otherwise, if some Macedonians come with me and find that you are not ready, we would be humiliated, to say nothing of you for being so confident. So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to go on ahead of you and arrange in advance for the gift you have promised, so that it may be ready as a willing gift, not as an exaction. The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work as it is written. He, or as it is written, he has distributed freely, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever." He supplies seeds to the sower and bread for food with supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but it's overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of this service, They will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others. While they long for you and pray for you because of your surpassing grace of God, uh, uh, the surpassing grace of God upon you, thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. 
Amen. Praise God for his word. Okay, I don't know. Uh, I, I'm sure most of the kids in here, maybe if you're in high school, middle school, you've seen this. Has anybody in here heard of Mr. Beast? Anybody? Raise your hand. You heard of Mr. Beast? Okay. A lot of the kids have heard about Mr. Beast. Um, if you wanted to like, think of uh, hilarious generosity, I think the, the epitome of hilarious generosity is this guy named Mr. Beast. Uh, Mr. Beast, this is him right here. Okay. Um, he looks kind of hilarious. He looks ridiculous is what he looks, right? And, uh, but he has built one of the largest YouTube channels in the world through generosity. Really, it's just crazy, hilarious generosity. Let me tell you about a few things he's done. Uh, I saw one of his early videos when somebody told me about him. He uh, got convinced some, um, like some company to give him $10,000, and he was going to go. And, and the goal, here's what he pitched to this company. Hey, you give me $10,000. I'll talk about your product, but I'm going to take the $10,000. I'm going to get it in the hundreds, and I'm just going to go give it away to somebody. And they're like, what? And he goes, yeah, just, just trust me. And so he goes to a college campus. He does this multiple times. And he literally gives one of his friends, he goes, here, here's $10,000. I want you to go find some kid on campus, and I just want you to hand it to him. And so what they do is they just film these guys walking up, and this kid comes up, and he just goes up to a, this girl and is like, hey, you want $10,000? And just holds out $10,000 in cash to this girl. And she's like, oh, my gosh, no. Like, and she, like, runs away, and they start laughing, and they look at each other like, literally, we're giving her ten grand. And finally, he comes to a guy, and he says, hey, you, know, you want $10,000? And the dude's like, heck yeah, takes it, right? That's the difference between girls and guys. Girls were taught stranger danger. Guys were like, opportunity, right? And, he just take, and then the guy just, he just walks away, and the guy's standing there with 10, 10 grand in cash in his hand, all right? Most of us have never done that. If you have, it's probably because you were being really weird, and you were in your house just going like this, you know, just being weird, weird about it. Nobody does that. But he does, I mean, some other things he's done in the videos is he's gone into a store, uh, and he would go up to a person and goes, hey, here's a credit card. And on this credit card uh, is a certain amount of money. But there's a limit. You could go and buy whatever you want in this store. But if you go past the limit, you don't get anything. Have fun. And so in their mind, they have no idea. Well, the secret is at the end of, video, or at the end of every time he does this, there actually is no limit on the card. And he tells them after they buy them, which is a really evil trick, okay? You shouldn't tell them that. But, I mean, they're getting thousands of dollars worth of stuff. And he's just in there. And it's so hilarious to watch. And I tell you about that, guys, because being generous is really fun, and it's something that we need, okay? This message is important for us today because generosity is something that we need. Now, I know I'm a pastor up here, and you guys maybe get a little twitchy when you're a pastor talking about giving, and I'm, I'm totally cool with you being twitchy because you're going to be surprised because that's not what this is going to be about because the reality is you need generosity. Every single one of you, you are still alive because somebody was generous, to keep you alive. I'm knowing that right now because I've got a baby in my house and if nobody feeds this child, okay, he will not get fed. He's not gonna climb up into the counter like my daughter does and just start stealing things out of my snack cabinet, okay? He can't get to, to that food. He is dependent on the generosity of my wife and of our family to care for him. And we have all been raised in a world which, where you could, you could chalk up all the things that have been bad in your life. And that's okay. But the reality is there's also these things you could see in your life where people have been generous. Somebody's given you a job. You've been able to get an education. People have fed you. People have maybe been your friends at times. Relationally, people maybe have shared the gospel. Jesus has been generous to all of us. Amen? We are living on the backs of other people's generosity. So I want you to say this. I need generosity. You do. You need generosity. But also, you guys need to realize we need to be generous. 
okay? Not need in the fact that, like, if you're not generous, you're going to die. Like, you're going to starve to death, okay? But we need generosity in the sense that it is the good life. Generosity is the good life. The generous life is the life that is reflective of Jesus. And today, I'm assuming most of you in this room are Christians, and so uh, we're going to be talking about what does it look like to be generous and what does it look like to live the good life. Now, you could probably tell just in me saying that, that that is completely opposite of the way the world sees things, right? The way the world sees it is the good life is whatever you can get, not what you can give. And so today we're going to take a look. We're looking at the scripture I just read to you. You saw the big picture. We're going to break it down. And we're going to see how God has called us to be generous and how we need generosity. We need to be generous, okay? And it's going to lead to so much life in our schools, in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, in your watering holes, wherever you find yourself. Because opportunity is everywhere. I'm excited to do, okay? We're going to look at this in three different turns, three different points, okay? We're going to look at the preparation we're going to look at the point, and we're going to look at the provision, okay? So preparation, point, provision. If you're taking notes, I just do this to help you. For me, I don't even love that kind of stuff, all right? You just kind of give me generics, and I feel good about it. But here's the, so let's talk about the preparation, okay? The preparation. Preparing our hearts to be generous. So let me give you a little bit of a context of what's going on here in 2 Corinthians, okay? When Paul wrote this letter to the church, uh, the church in Jerusalem is in a major uh, struggle. There's a lot of persecution going on. They are hard-pressed. And the reason why is because there's a new leader around Jerusalem, and his name is Herod Agrippa. He's a a grandson, or I think son or grandson of uh, Herod the Great. And so he starts to persecute people. And so one of the things that he ends up doing is uh, he kills James. James was the leader of the church. He's not the brother of Jesus. This is... Uh, One of Jesus' disciples, he's the brother of John. He actually gets the nickname Sons of Thunder by Jesus. And um, so Herod Agrippa, he he kills the leader of the church. And so like a typical politician, like when they do something that garners a lot of approval, they want to do it again, right? And so what he does is he goes and he kidnaps Peter, throws Peter in prison. There's a whole story about that in Acts. So this is what's going on. Persecution is breaking out. They're murdering the leaders of the church, okay? Imagine what that does for their jobs, Imagine what's that doing for their living situations. It's changing everything in the church, so they're in dire straits. And so uh, during this, Paul is actually living in Ephesus, and he's training, and he's making, he's making church planners and church leaders. He's discipling, because that's Peter's call. He knows that what, that's what he's called to do, but his heart is breaking for his brothers and sisters in Jerusalem. And along with him, so are the rest of the churches. And so when Corinth finds out that Jerusalem is suffering like this, they go, hey, we want to be a part of bringing some kind of relief to the people in Jerusalem. They raise their hands and say, we want to be a part. And then Macedonia, which is Corinth, think wealthy, Macedonian, desperately poor. They go, oh, shoot, if, if, if Corinthians want to be in, we're in too. We, like, we want to give gener- generously. And what we find in chapter 8 is that they actually beg for an opportunity to give. So in chapter 8, go to verse 1. I want you to see this. It says this. Paul says, I want you to know, brothers, talking to the Corinthians, he says, I want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. Listen to what he says. The grace that has been given to them. Not, I want to tell you about the lottery that they just won or all the money that they've got. He says, what? The grace 
of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. Okay, so he explains it now. Verse 2, for in severe test of affliction, their abundance of finances? No, joy. Their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected, but as they gave themselves first to the Lord, then by the will of God to us. This is brilliant. The Macedonian church, and the way he explains this, is brilliant. Grace and joy led to them begging to give. What do we typically see or we get really, you know, twitchy about when churches or pastors talk about generosity? It's usually a pastor begging a bunch of people to give, right? It's never the other way around. The whole congregation is screaming at the pastor, give us a chance. We want to be a part of this. And begging to give. And that's exactly what they're doing. And why are they doing that? They're doing it because they didn't give themselves to outposts first. They gave themselves to Jesus. They gave themselves to Jesus. And why did they give themselves to Jesus? Because they saw how Jesus was generous to them. Hey, brothers and sisters in the room, some of you are held back on giving your life to Jesus because you think Jesus just wants something from you. Let me just tell you, he gave to you long before he ever asked anything of you. And that's what Paul says. Look at verse 9 of chapter 8. He makes it abundantly clear. For you know the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake, Cody people, he became poor, so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. It's not a health, wealth, prosperity gospel. It's not you give your life to Jesus, you're going to have a million bucks. He's saying you're going to have a wealth of grace and joy. That's what Jesus provided. So the first step in preparing our hearts to be generous is we're going to prepare our hearts for generosity by remembering the generosity of God. Hey, guys, let me tell you, the first step in getting your heart prepared is to look at what God did for you in the first place to pause and to actually think about it. So the Macedonian church, they were poor financially, but I think we could say that they were rich in grace. And so the question you have to ask yourself, and I've been asking myself, is this. How has God been generous to me? Think about it. How has God been generous to you? If your first thought is, well, he didn't give me this, and I don't have that, just pause for a second. Yeah, sure. But how has he been generous to you? When you think about the generosity of God and you think about what God has done for you, how does that motivate your heart? Like, what does that do in you? Man, when I sit and I pause, and I did this past week, this is the, this is the joy of getting to study the passage and teach you guys is I get a whole week of processing in this stuff, right? So it's like newsflash. I get more out of this than you do, all right? So you should be jealous of me. But I, I really I sat and I just had to think, like, man, what? I spend more time asking God for things than I do thanking him for what he's already given me. Anybody else? And when I sit down and I write down what I'm thankful for, man, it just overflows in a wealth of, go, man, I just, makes me generous. The Macedonians, they begged to give and gave out of their poverty a massive blessing, serving as an example of Jesus-motivated generosity. And Paul shares their story of generosity with the richer, more affluent Corinthian church as a source of encouragement and motivation. He wants them to see sacrificial generosity of others 
brought on by the generosity of Jesus so that they too would be moved to be generous. In verse 7 he says, but as you excel in everything, he's talking to the Corinthians. Remember those guys? We studied them for a year. Talk about a bang up church, right? Like they were messed up. But he says this, you excel in everything. And I'll tell you, outposts, these apply to you. I'm seeing this in you guys. In faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in, all, in our love for you, see that you excel in the act of grace also. Listen, Outpost, I'm seeing in you guys, you guys are reading your words like you've never done before. How many, how many people I've seen come to Outpost go, man, I'm a believer, I haven't read my Bible in years. And you're coming here and go, man, you're jumping in and you're growing, letting your, your mind be changed and grown and transformed. You guys are being, uh, you're loving one another. You're reconciling conflict. It's pretty cool to watch because you Cody people, you're so scared of it, now you're doing it. And it's amazing. But we should also excel in this grace as well, which is generosity. We live in a vacation town, which is all about people coming here doing their little me thing, right? Getting their experience. And we're just saying, come on, just give us your money. Okay, have fun. And then when it's done, then we got our time, right? Our me time. And so it's all this thing. So, but we need to excel. And when we do, listen, when we do this, we seek to excel in this grace. Paul says, I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine. Basically what he's saying is like, when you see, a, you see generosity in a Christian, you go, yeah, that proves that they belong to Jesus. It's proof. It shows it. Because here's the reality. You know, when I talk to uh, when I talk to people like, about you know, winning the lottery, I don't know, it's so weird, just curious to hear like, what people's things are. But for the most part, it, I, every Christian I ever talk to, if they won the lottery, um, they all talk about you know, what they would give away. I'd you know, give away to this, and I'd do this, and I'd do that, right? Like, that's the expectation. All of you in this room, if you won the lottery, most of you guys would be like, yeah, I would give, right? It's, it's an expectation of us. When you come across a Christian who is a Scrooge, you start to question a lot of other things, right? How many of you have done that? You've done that to other people. You go, yeah, I mean, he calls himself a Christian, but I mean, he won't do anything for anybody. Right? It's an expectation. And it's a proof when we give. And that's why Paul then goes, verse, uh, chapter 9, verse 1. He says, it's, he goes, but now listen, it's superf superfluous. That's so hard to say uh, with my mouth, okay? Here, I'm going to do it like this. Now, it is silly for me, okay, to write to you about the ministry of the saints. He's like, hey, I don't have to tell you about Macedonia. I don't have to tell you about how everybody else is being generous. For I know your readiness, of which I boast about you to the people of Macedonia. I've been bragging to the Macedonians about your willingness to give. Saying that Achaia, which is the region where Corinth is, has been ready since last year. And your zeal has stirred up most of them. What's, what's he kind of doing right here? This is what Paul's doing here. He's telling the Corinthians about how the Macedonians have just like, in their poverty, done all this. But he's been telling the Macedonians about how the Corinthians are really excited. What is he doing here? Is this manipulative? Maybe a little bit. It's kind of like, you know, I used to play basketball a lot. I love basketball, okay? And, but when you text men to play basketball, men, you know this. When you text men to play basketball, you text a big group of guys, hey, anybody want to play ball? What's the thing they always text back? Well, who's going? Who's going to be there, Right? And I go, well, if you would say you'll be there, I could tell the rest of the guys that you'll be there and maybe they would come, right? And so I have to lie to all of them. Hey, everybody's coming. Everybody's coming. You should, you should come play ball, right? And so what he's doing is he's kind of creating this little bit of a competitive game. And he's not trying to be manipulative. He's saying, like, guys, look, this is, 
The reality is this is such a joy, and we're going to talk about the benefits of generosity here. That's the last point. But he's, he's kind of trying to mutually encourage these guys. It's really neat. And when you guys are generous and I, I hear about it and you see it or I experience it in my own life and I'm doing it, it's just this really fun mutual generosity, and that's what he's doing here. Okay? But right now, so far, listen, the Corinthians, all they have done is say they're going to be generous. The Macedonians have actually been generous. So look at verse 3. This is what Paul then says next. But I'm sending the brothers so that our boasting about you may not prove empty in this matter so that you may be ready as I said you would be. Does Paul doubt them? Maybe not. Maybe not. But he's going to send some people to get them ready. I want to keep reading this because I think there's some questions that you might have that I had. Otherwise, if some Macedonians come with me and find that you are not ready, we would be humiliated to say nothing of you for being so confident. Like imagine these like super poor ragtag group of Macedonians who they were motivated by the Corinthians. They show up with you like, sweet, we're going to come. They're going to collect this stuff and we're going to take it to Jerusalem. They get there and you're going, oh, oh, is that this week? Man, we just paid our mortgage. Or hey, we're about to go on vacation. I just spent it all on flights. Or, hey, we just got this new car, and we can't, you know what, I got a few bucks here, but gosh, that stinks. You know, my kid just signed up for the sport. We're going to be traveling every weekend. We've got all these things going on, right? They show up, and they see that. They go, are you kidding me? Like, have you seen the houses we live in? Work 60 hours a week just slaving to make half of what you make. And, the, and you didn't even get ready? So what's Paul doing here? I think that sometimes we think, oh, he's sending people ahead, right? Look what he says. So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to go on ahead to you and arrange in advance for the gift you have promised so that you may be ready as a willing gift, not as an exaction. Well, it seems opposite. Like I'm sending you some guys to make sure they're ready to exact from you some of this stuff. So is he, is he trying to manipulate them? He's trying to force them? That, my question was like, this seems manipulative. I'm going to go on ahead of you. Get your checkbooks in order. But that's not what he's doing. It looks like spiritual coercion. Let me tell you, it's not that. So when Paul assembles these guys and he sends them to the Corinth to collect this offering for Jerusalem, one commentator said it this way, it's not to persuade the Corinthians to give, but rather to assist them in bringing to generous completion their already declared readiness to give. It's like, hey, you guys said you wanted to. We're just, we're showing up on your word. That's all it is. We're showing up on your word. Paul was confident in the Corinthians. That's why he's sending them ahead to get them ready. Now listen to this. Imagine the potential for humiliation. We've already talked about that. So sending them early, it gives the Corinthians time to prepare their hearts and to think. And this leads us to the second point or second step in being generous and preparing your heart is you've got to take time to prepare your heart. You need time. It's kind of like when you're going to have a tough conversation with a friend. It's usually a good idea to let them know, hey, I want to talk about this. Can we schedule time to talk about it? Right? What do you do? You're giving them a chance to think and prepare their heart, maybe pray, you know, get things kind of together before you show up. Do you, is it good to like say, hey, can, can we meet? I just want to chat. Is anything wrong? No, no, no. Everything's fine. Right? And then you show up and you're at the station, you're sitting to get coffee. Hey, I just want to talk about this. I felt really hurt. And what you said was, you're a big meanie head. And I just, whatever. And you just like blow them up. What are they going to do? They're going to go, oh my gosh, I'm not ready for this. But if you say, hey, I want to talk about that conversation we had. I, I felt kind of hurt by it. I don't want to do it now, but I just want to give you some time. Would you pray and consider and think? And can we come and sit and let's chat? You give them ready. So what, what is Paul doing? Paul 
He's not guilting them or doubting them. He's giving them a chance to experience the full benefits of generous living. The full benefits of it. Let me, let me read it again. I don't think you guys quite get this. Okay? He isn't guilting or doubting them. He's giving them a chance to experience the full benefits of generous living. It's taking time to really think and take stock of what we could be generous with. So here's what I want to tell you to do. One of the things you could do is just take some time. Maybe it's you, you live alone, maybe you're single, maybe you're married, whatever the case may be. Maybe you're a high school student, you're a middle school student, it doesn't matter what, how old you are. All of you can do this. Every single one of you can do this. It's to take time to look at all of your time, talents, and treasure and say, God, how can I be generous with these? Okay, let's start with treasure since that's the first thing that we're kind of thinking about and that's what kind of Paul's talking about. So what, that, what do we mean by treasure? That's your finances, that's your cars, that's your house, that's your rooms, that's your refrigerator, your food. It's everything that you've got. All right, it's everything that you've got. And so it's looking and maybe sitting down and looking at your budget and going, man, what does this budget even say about me? Like, what am I spending all my money on? Are there things that are just superfluous in here? Um, are there just like meaningless things? And going, man, is there any space for generosity? Or are you going, man, there's not really any space for generosity here. Okay, maybe you need to look at that and go, okay, what do I do? Maybe you've got an empty room, man, and somebody needs help. And you go, I want this room to be a room of hospitality. And I want to care for people, and I want it to be available. I want to pray that God would give me somebody I can care for in this room. Maybe it's food, okay? And you just, man, you love to cook. You've got tons of food, right? And she's inviting somebody over for a meal. Maybe you've got an extra car. I can't tell you, <laughs> over the last couple of weeks, I got one car down. We're renting another car. And I had to go to Addison and be like, hey, man, hey, buddy, can I have a ride home, right? It's really embarrassing. But then he loves me, and he takes me and gives me a ride home. It's super great. What do you have that you could be generous with, Okay. Now let's think about our time. Oh boy. Think about our time. Cody people, are you busy? Just so busy. Oh man, we're busy. It's sports season. We ended up having four kids and all of them play baseball at the same time. Right? You're just so busy. So here's what I want to tell you. Look at your time almost like, look at your time almost like a, uh, like a budget. Listen, guys, there's a limitation on how much you can really do, guys. That might be the most blessed thing you hear me say today. There's a limitation on what you can do. If you just realize that, maybe your whole life will get so much better. But the other thing is, like, are the, is there space in your schedule for people to be generous? Maybe it's to listen, to meet with, to talk with, to stop and help, whatever the case may be. What, what's going on? Is your, is your whole life maxed out by kids' sports? Let me give you just a sweet, uh, I don't think it's controversial, I think it's just wisdom. Your kids' sports do not matter that much. It doesn't. Look at all of you. You played sports. Nobody cares that you played sports. Nobody cares. You have character is what we care about. You played football. You scored a touchdown in high school. Nobody cares. I could care less. You start telling me, I start snoozing. I don't care. It doesn't matter. What matters is are they men of character? Are they women of character? Sometimes you give so much to your kids traveling so much that when you do that, you're teaching your kid they're the center of the cosmos. And you're ruining their character. That might sound bad, okay? Leave this church. Go to some other church that thinks that you should give your kids whatever they want. Full, cool with me. Sorry, that is not in there, but I, obviously I feel passionate. And the reason is I'm tired of people going, we just don't have time. We just don't have time. When I watch these soccer parents at the end of soccer season and they just come in, they're slumped over and their hair's falling out and they just look like a mess. I'm going, well, duh. You're, you, you gave yourself so much to these things. You have no time 
to live the good life of generosity with your time. All right, let me move on because I'm going to lose it there. Hey, the last thing is talents. You guys are so talented, so talented. It's amazing. In this room, we could just be our own, like, self-sustaining city. There's so many talents. And some of you, you guys work for the city, work for oil fields. You guys can teach. You guys can train. You guys can... Uh, you could care for people. You, we've got people who work uh, in the medical field. We do, there's so many talents in here. God has gifted that to you. How can you use that to bless others? Is there any space in your time and, and in your treasures that you could use those gifts and deploy them for other people? Any space to do that. Generosity is just not about your finances. I had a friend ask me, he, was, he wanted to ask me about tithing, okay? He goes, man, tithing, this is kind of a, a strange thing to me. And I'm like, yeah, me too, especially when you call it tithing. Um, but he goes, man, getting 10%, you really got to think about that. That's a lot. I was like, yeah, but can I tell you, it's a lot worse than that. And I remember he's kind of looking at me like, uh, what? Like, worse than that, worse than 10%. It's worse than 10% because Bonnie and I, for just years, we just made a decision to do 10%, okay? We were going to give 10% away, but it became something that was like a, like, a, like a bill, right? And you just send it out. That's easy. That is so easy to do. We're just automatically drafts, it goes out, don't even notice it, it's just gone, we don't even account for it, it's just there, it's gone. And you just do it. You know what's really hard? To sit down with my wife and to pray over that and say, let's just take time, gather the kids, just say, like, let's be, think about all that we're thankful for, let's pray over this money, let's pray for our church. But then to be sitting in the grocery line, right, and the woman in front of you, she forgets her card, right, and you go, okay, here's a moment, I have an opportunity, I'm, I should just buy her groceries, like, but I already gave my 10%. I got no more space to be generous. Now that sounds hard, but it's a ton of fun. It's hilariously generous. To see that your friend's tires are just total garbage and he keeps running around with them bald things and he's gonna kill his family. And you're going, you know what? Let's just, let's just buy new tires. Or a single mom, right? And you go buy her groceries or whatever the case may be. It's beyond your 10%. That's where it gets hard, but it also gets incredibly, hilariously fun. And so let's get to the point. Here's the point. Generosity is about the heart. It's not about what you have. It's actually not about your time, talents, and treasure. It's all about you and the inside, okay? The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he's decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So listen, you could take time to look at your, to look at all that Christ has done for you. You could take time to look at all that you have. Um, but at the end of the day, you're either not going to give it because you're feeling reluctant and you just don't trust everybody and you're going to hold on to it, or you're going to give it just because you feel like you have to. That was Bonnie and I for years, 10%, just because we felt like we had to. But God transformed our lives and transformed our finances and everything when we began to realize, oh, this is about what's on the inside. Do I actually, am I actually a generous person? It's not about my tax deduction and all the things that I gave or whatever or being known for it. It's like, am I just a generous person? And that's a far harder to do. And so what he says here is, God loves a cheerful giver. That word cheerful is a Greek word. It's super rare in your Bible. Incredibly rare. You know how rare it is? It's the only time it's ever used. And it's the Greek word hilaron, which is where we get the word hilarious. Hilarious. What does that bring up in your mind? Like, what does that conjure? The idea of like hilarious. 
And me, I automatically think comedians. I love comedians. I love comedy. I love the way they just kind of move around and do their thing. And they're just super funny, right? And they're just hilarious. And what's so funny about comedians? Comedians aren't just like these, like they're not coming up with something brand new. They're talking about every single, everyday things that we deal with, and they just twist it a little bit, right? And it's funny because you get it. If, it's, if you're not laughing, it's because you don't get it, right? You don't understand, and you're probably not a normal human being. And so what we do, they, they're, they're really hilarious because they take just basic things, and they just kind of twist it, and you go, that's hilarious. It's the same thing with God's people. They take these normal, everyday living all the things that they have, and they look at it just a little bit different. They don't look at it as all theirs. They look at it as a gift that they receive from God, and they go, hey, I want in on that. I want to in on the giving piece, because that's amazing. So let me ask, like, let me ask you, um, you know, why do we give? Why do we give? What do, what do really generous people know that we don't know? Like comedians, they know things. They know how funny is. They take a look at these things differently. What is it that generous people, how are they seeing things differently? What they see is this. It's Acts 20, 35. Paul, when he's talking about his work in Ephesus, he says this. In all things I've shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, this is not anywhere in the Gospels. This is only in Acts 20. It says this. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Listen, it's more blessed to give than receive. Those who are hilariously generous are people who go, I have more fun giving than I ever do receiving from you. Man, I know this at Christmas. Every time I buy my wife a gift, I got to buy stuff like, I'm talking like the morning of Christmas because I want to give it the moment. I'm like driving home and I'm like, I'm just going to give it to her. I can't help it because it's so much more fun to give. Opening presents and getting things, you're like, oh yeah, it's great, you know, and it is kind of fun, right? And occasionally they nail it and it's great. But giving is just a, just a blast. It's so fun. I love to give. And Jesus knew it. It's more blessed to give than receive. It is the better life. Let me ask you a question. Let me, let me prove this to you. Do you think Jesus lived a better life than you? Think about it. Do you think that Jesus lived a better life than you? And by better, I mean more joy, more fulfillment, more happiness. Do you think he lived a better one than you? Yet, his brothers mocked him. His friends abandoned him. He was put on trial in the middle of the night before a mock jury full of false accusations. His own people rallied together and a mob came together and chanted to crucify him. Then they took him up on a hill and they actually crucified him. And then just to add insult to injury while he was on the cross, they continued to mock him. But Jesus says, I led a better life than you because it's more blessed to give than receive. What did he give us when he did that? He gave us salvation. He gave us salvation. He gave us new life, the better life. He lived a better life. Are you convinced that to give is better than to receive? Man, it's so much more fun. It's a better life, guys. You're looking for the good life. It's found in being hilariously generous. Now, let me tell you. Some of you are thinking, man, what about I got a mortgage? What about college? What about my groceries or vacation? The new iPhone 13 is out. I got to get that bad boy. Right, you know, with the three cameras, not the two, because you know I'm a, I'm a higher human being. Whatever your case is, or man, maybe finances are just really, really tight, and that's just the reality, man. You're a single mom, and things are really tight. It's one income. You're doing the best you can. Let me tell you, I know what that's like. I've seen that. I've been a part of it. But I want to tell you, there's far more benefits to being hilariously generous than just good life. Let me let's talk about the benefits, the provision. 
This is what Paul talks about at the end, the provision. The true generosity has personal and public benefits. Let's talk about the personal benefits. Number one, sufficiency. Look at verse 8. And God is able to make all a grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. You guys, he's saying if you give, listen, give, and you will have everything you need to give again. You go, I've got nothing left. Well, then give what you have. No, I mean, I have nothing. Okay, he's going to give you what you need to give, continue to give. Well, you give everything away, you're going to turn around and you find that there's more. That is absolutely true. It is absolutely true. I, I listen, I beg you to test God. See if you can outgive him. Give it all away and see if he doesn't give you more. Give, give, give. And I'm not talking that, oh, I'm going to give away all my finances and he's going to double my money. He's going to give you something so much more deep, so much more rich. It's going to be wonderful. But let me give you Jesus' words. I think this will be the final word on this idea of sufficiency. This is speaking to all of us. Matthew 6, 25. Therefore, I tell you, this is Jesus talking. Do not be anxious about your life. And so many of you are. And he's going to say what you're anxious about. What, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body or what you'll put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Like, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more value than they? What's the answer? Yes, you're worth more than birds. And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to the span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Solomon is the Jeff Bezos of his day. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown in the oven, will he not much more clothe you? The grass is meaningless. You're worth more than grass. You're worth more than grass and birds and flowers to God. And he takes care of them? It's grass. Oh, you of little faith, therefore do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles, the world, seek after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. He knows you need food, shelter, and clothing. He knows you need it. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. He's going to give you everything you need. Stay focused on his kingdom. Be hilariously generous. You hear that? You're going to find all sufficiency met. What's the second benefit? You're going to see an increase in your righteousness. Ooh. Listen to this. It's so important you hear this, guys. I know you're, you're wanting to check out right now. Don't. Okay? Keep it together. You can listen. All right, he says this, verse 9, as it is written, he has distributed freely, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Look at verse 10. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. What is he talking about? He's going to make you more righteous? I thought I was forgiven and I have all the righteousness of Jesus. You do. But is anybody in here still a sinner? Anybody? Me. I'm still a sinner. I probably sinned in the midst of teaching you guys Started yelling at parents, coaching their kids in sports and all that. But he says he's going to increase your righteousness. You want to find about those who are really um, caught up in sin? They're usually caught up with themselves. They're navel gazers. The more that you sit there and focus on yourself and your car and your house and your mortgage and your vacation and everything you need and your kids' sports, and everything, you're so consumed with you and all of your things, those are the people who are more prone to trip and fall over their own sin. They're consumed with self. But you know what I see about the hilariously generous people? They're people with their eyes up, hands out, wide open, just being hilariously generous to anybody who's around. 
And what happens is the more that you're giving to Jesus, the more you're giving yourself over to God, the more that you are going to experience the transformative grace of generosity. Let me tell you, you're going to become more like Jesus the more that you get your eyes up, look to him, the author and perfecter of your faith, and just give to the people around you. You're going to find yourself more like the the God you're saying you're trying to follow. You're going to be more righteous. That's what he's saying. Does that make sense? Duh, but it's so hard. It's so hard to do, but that's going to be one of the benefits. And And you know what God says? He says he loves it. He loves when you're just this hilarious little giver, you hilarious little generous disciple. Okay, but there's also church-wide benefits, and these, are, these matter, guys. They absolutely matter. Why do they matter? Then you will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. People are going to th- thank God for your generosity. I remember staying the night in a Catholic church, because we had nothing and no place to stay. And my mom was there and she, she took us this place where we had to be in there and we had to stay the night and then we had to hear this gospel message. But then they, they provided for our needs. And man, I tell you what, we, like my family, we knew it was like to be in places that some of you don't even know what it's like to be in, where you literally are living on the backs of other people's generosity because you have no place to go, nothing to do. And I'm so thankful for God that, that God led my mom and, and us to a place where they, we could be cared for and it led us out of that. It's so amazing, other people's generosity. So thankful for the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. The second thing it's going to do is going to bring glory to God. You know that's literally what you're created to do? You weren't created to be great at your job. You're created to give glory to God through being great at your job. It's all about God. By, this, by their approval of this service, of being generous, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others. People are going to glorify God. I hope that matters to you, that they're going to glorify God because of your hilarious generosity. Because you, you thought about what Jesus did for you. You took time to look at all you had, and you said, let's open our hands with all of it. Let's do it. And some people might even come to know Jesus. There are people in this room who know Jesus because you are hilariously generous. Man, there are so many people in, our, in this city. We look like a very wealthy, affluent Corinthian city. There are a lot of people who need some generosity. And it may not be finances, but it might be your time. It might be your talents. Maybe just sitting and listening to them and being there. Because they may not be financially perverse, but they are absolutely relationally, emotionally, and spiritually just dying. And they need your help. And the la- you know what the last thing it does is this. It brings affection for one another. This is talking about the church caring for the church. It's not talking about caring for those in the community. It's talking about church for church. And what it does is it brings about an incredible amount of unity. I heard a Baptist pastor share the story about a uh, dinner in hell versus dinner in heaven. Okay, there's a lot of things wrong about this, but you're going to get the point. Okay, and maybe I've shared this before, but a man who's uh, living in hell uh, and a man who's living in heaven kind of meet in the middle. Like I said, it's not true, but just listen. And so they meet together, and they're both just talking to each other, and they're asking each other, what's heaven like? What's hell like? And so the man from heaven says, what's it, what's it like? And he goes, well, you know, you know, every day we sit down and we eat dinner in hell. We sit down at the table and we eat and all that. And he goes, oh, and the guy in heaven's like, we do too. We sit down and we eat, and we're all together. And he goes, oh, yeah, yeah. But the guy in hell goes, you know, the problem is, We've got these, uh, these five-foot forks, and so you can never get the food to your mouth. You just can't get it there. So it's so frustrating and agonizing because you can never actually eat. You just have to sit there and look at it. 
And the man in heaven says, oh yeah, we have the same forks. We just feed the person across from us. Right? And the point of that story is to help us understand that the people of God are generous and it creates such an amazing and beautiful unity among us that when we're caring for each other's needs. The reality is, guys, some of you in this room, you think, I don't need anybody. And that's fine. You will have nobody. But for those of us in this room who realize with humility the grace of God that we're given things that we needed that we could never get for ourselves, we just want to be hilariously generous to each other and give it to others. That's the point. The point this whole morning is not to tell you to give a whole bunch of money to Outpost. The point this morning is to say, do you have a generous heart? Have you looked at what Jesus has done for you? And are you willing to say, I want to give to the needs of my friends. I want to be a part of this together with my time, talents, and treasure. And this is not about, listen, this is not about reaching down into you to find the best version of you. This is not becoming the best, most generous version of ourselves. This is trying to look to Jesus and the best version that he's calling us to. This whole thing is about grace. Literally in chapter 8 and chapter 9, listen to how many times it talks about it. He says, the, uh, the grace of God, the favor or grace of taking part in the relief, completing among you the act of grace, excel in this act of grace, for you know the grace as we carry out this act of grace. God is able to make all grace abound to you, the surpassing grace of God. It's like eight times it's talking about grace. This is not legalism, the generosity. It's just an amazing gift that just flows through us and we continue to graciously give, okay? I hope today, the end of the city on the hill, you feel more motivated to be of people who agape love one another, who reconcile your conflicts and deal with the things, who know the gospel and want to share them, and are people who are just hilariously generous, time, talent, treasure. If you do those four things and you live those four things by the power of the Spirit, you guys will be a people that your Cody friends are going to look and go, y'all are different. And they're not going to go, y'all are different and I can't tell why. They're going to go, they're different and I'll tell you exactly why. They love Anytime they make a mistake, they own it with me. And they're always telling me about God's goodness and kindness to them. And anytime I got a need, they are there for me. I can tell you exactly why these people are different. Church, it's not my mission. This is our mission. Are you going to be a city on a hill? That is the question. So this week, take time with your family, yourself, to sit down and do a good inventory of your time, talents, and treasure. What needs to be freed up? What do you have? And then just before the Lord, open up your hands and say, God, whatever you want, make me, it's all available to you. Let's do this. And I guarantee you, you're going to have a lot more fun with your life. It's the good life. Let me pray for you, and let's get out of here. Well, Jesus, thank you for your kindness and goodness and grace, and I'm so thankful. It's such a grace that we get to be here in this rec center. Outposts exist on the backs of so many people's generosity meeting at Open Gate to do membership classes because Open Gate has been generous to us to open up their facilities so we can meet there and talk about being the people of God together. People using their time, talents, and treasures. This is a beautiful example, but I pray, Spirit, we are barely even at the tip of the iceberg of what it looks like to live the good life of generosity and love and reconciliation and evangelism. I pray you would awaken us into confidence that we'd stop being so fearful and anxious about whether or not you're going to provide for us, but know that we can trust you, that you're going to provide, you're going to bring it. God, I confess, I've thought more about investments and where my money is than I've thought about how I can give it. Transform my heart, God. I need your help. We all do. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.